It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Russ Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast for week 16 in the NFL, the show that's so nice. We do it twice. If you're looking for a place to bet on the bowl games or this weekend NFL action, especially if you're not in your team's fantasy championship, betonline.ag is the place. Your online sportsbook experts just use the promo code PODCAST1. He is Evan Silva, and he is the man over at rotoworld.com. Encyclopedic knowledge of NFL teams, players, fantasy situations. It is beyond impressive. Check him out on Twitter always, at Evan Silva. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Um, Bunch of teams, five teams, seven years. Not in the fantasy championship, unfortunately. But I hope you guys win. I really do. I want as many of you guys to win from listening to this show as possible. And if you're not in your fantasy championship and you just like Evan's analysis, that's cool. If you're not in the fantasy championship and you're going to play DFS, that's cool also. You know what else is cool? SeatGeek. I don't know if you guys have checked it out yet. I told you about it a couple times. I'm a big fan. A couple different reasons. For those of you that use whatever you use to buy your tickets, Kayak or Google, whatever, uh, it's all about SeatGeek when it comes to tickets. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to play to pay. There's nothing like it. And it'll even tell you exactly what the best value is of the seats that are available. It's pretty awesome. It really is. It's, it's the next level of ticket buying. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code EVENMONEY today. That's promo code EVENMONEY, and you get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek app, promo code EVENMONEY, $10 off your first purchase because it's awesome. Evan, let's start again this week with a doubleheader Saturday slate. And again, I will be at one of the games. I'm going to be in... Los Angeles for the Ravens and the Chargers. Very much looking forward to that. But we will start with the Redskins and the Titans. Who are we talking about from a fantasy perspective here other than Derrick Henry? Yeah, I mean, let's just talk about Derrick Henry because there's not a whole lot else to talk about. Um, He is going to be a significant home favorite against a Redskins team that played good run defense for a while, has not played particularly good run defense lately um they gave up uh, well over 100 rushing yards last week now leonard fournette did not have a big game and we will get to why that happened later um but i mean they the redskins are giving up big rushing numbers to opponents and we like our, our running backs to be at home and favored one stat i noted on twitter this week is that throughout his career and look they've been these statistics have also been influenced and spiked by uh, what he's done over the past two weeks but throughout his career in an 11 game sample his games in December 
have been significantly better than his games throughout the rest of the year, and his rushing efficiency has been significantly better. And he also had the best game of his career before this season in that January game, last January against Kansas City, where the Titans uh, pulled that upset win over a Chiefs team that I think was favored by like 10 or something. Um, And it makes intuitive sense that Derrick Henry being built like he is, you know, would be uh, going up against these defenses that have kind of been run down over the course of the year might have more success. Nobody wants to tackle this guy when he, when he gets into space and he's had trouble in his career getting into space, but he's been getting into space now and they are feeding him like he is the centerpiece of their offense. I think that he's a must start at home on Saturday against the skins but, he, but also the way that they have played offense has really impacted the fantasy outlooks for the rest of the players because they are not throwing the ball. Marcus Mariota had 88 passing yards last week. Okay? And the, the way that and the way that the Titans designed their offense, like Ferkser wasn't even on the field. Anthony Ferkser is a pass catching tight end. And so if, they, if they're going to be playing run-first ball, their, their, their primary tight end is going to be Luke Stocker and even uh, Mike Cole Pruitt over Ferkser. Uh, Ferkser 6'2", 242. You know, people thought he was, a lot of people thought he was going to be a fullback coming out of college. And so he wasn't even out there. He ran seven routes last week, zero targets, unfortunately. So big bust and... You know, I think that the Titans are going to continue to have this rushing success and it's going to continue to be Luke Stocker, the blocking tight end, as their primary uh, player on the field. Um, Corey Davis, you know, his targets are way down. Taewon Taylor actually has more targets than Corey Davis over the last three weeks. Corey Davis is probably going to be facing off with Josh Norman when the Redskins have been without Quentin Dunbar who they recently placed on injured reserve. Josh Norman has shadowed number one receivers, so I would expect that to happen against Corey Davis. Now, Corey Davis plays in the slot a decent amount, and he could still have a decent game, but you know he hasn't been very productive over the course of the year. I mean, he's got three games over 65 yards all season. Um, we can uh, uh, Marcus Mariota, again, I mean, he's done nothing in fantasy two straight weeks because this offense has been put on Derrick Henry's back. I think that Deion Lewis, so there's going to be these uh, these Saturday slates, Saturday-only slates in daily fantasy. And it, last week's was really fun. I didn't, I didn't uh, do particularly well. I got a, a lot right, but my last decision was either Deshaun Watson and, and Elijah McGuire or Baker Mayfield and Lamar Miller. Um, and I went with Baker Mayfield and Lamar Miller, and Lamar Miller got hurt and got 0.8 fantasy points, and Deshaun Watson was pretty good, and um, and Elijah McGuire was really good uh, at his price. So I didn't do particularly well, um, but I, 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 I it was fun playing, and it adds a lot of fun to just watching the Saturday games, and I know that they're going to be popular this week. Uh, I think that Deion Lewis is an interesting contrarian play on – these slates because you know people are going to be playing Derrick Henry and they're going to be like I mean Derrick Henry's going to be really high owned on these and they're going to be like I can't play two running backs from the same backfield well I think he actually can uh, the Redskins have given up a lot of receiving production to opposing running backs 
Um, and I just think that the rushing attempts overall for the Titans are going to be very high. Even last week, John Lewis had 15 touches. So it's not like he is being completely ignored. Um, on the other side, for the Redskins, you know, Josh Johnson, he ran around a little bit. He actually was a top 12 fantasy quarterback last week. Now, it was a terrible scoring week across the across all of fantasy. It was just, I mean, it was a brutal week. I mean, you look at, like, the, the guys who finished high up. and I mean, Sam Darnold was the number three overall fantasy quarterback last week. Matt Ryan was number one. Um, and he threw for like 230 yards or something. And so, and Darnold threw for like 240. Jeremy Sprinkle was the, the number seven tight end. Um, the, the number, <clears throat> the number five tight end was Chris Manhurts. So it was, it was just a brutal week in fit for fantasy scoring. So, you know, take these, these, these kind of quarterback rankings, weekly rankings with a little bit of a grain of salt, but it does show that, you know, it does reconfirm that, Yo, you know these quarterbacks that that run. They have this sneaky value that you you must not overlook. Um, and Josh Johnson again was he was the quarterback eleven in week fifteen, uh, and so that gives him some appeal in two quarterback leagues, and it also gives him some appeal on the small slate uh, in the small slate DFS uh, tournaments. I don't expect Jordan Reed back. Uh, so that means it'll be Vernon Davis and Jeremy Sprinkle. Vernon Davis missed a few snaps last week. He got three targets. He had a, a drop. Um, Jeremy Sprinkle also got three targets. He scored a touchdown. I think he had like three for 27 and a touchdown. That was enough to be a top seven or eight fantasy tight end on the week. Still think Vernon Davis is the best play. But the Titans have been great against tight ends. Kevin Byard, they're all pro free safety. Often matches up with the tight end in man coverage. Um, so, you know, these guys are, are not great, like season long streamers. You just look at them on the, the smaller slates at wide receiver, Josh Doxson catchless last week. Uh, Jamison Crowder, I think is the only playable receiver on the skins. He's gotten really lucky. I mean, the, the week before, uh, in the fourth quarter garbage time against the giants, he just took a routine little, little shallow cross to the house for 79 yards and uh last week a terrible pass on jay on jo- by josh johnson kind of like deep down the middle um should have been picked off got deflected high in the air and uh crowder went and grabbed it and he gained 33 and that accounted for 33 of his 46 yards in the game so he has led the team in receiving in both of josh johnson's appearances he's gotten very very lucky with all that said, um, Logan Ryan out for the season, the Titans, that's a huge, huge loss. I mean, and he's their slot corner, and Crowder runs like 90% of his, uh, his routes in the slot. So I think that Crowder is the lone playable Redskins receiver. Adrian Peterson in games that they have won, he's had a ton of touches. Um, and I know that this is a correlation causation issue, absolutely, but for him, it is skewed like dramatically last week they win the game he has 21 touches when he when they've lost games he's been at like 10 touches and he's averaged over 22 touches per game when they have uh, won the when they have won the game i don't think they're going to win the game this week titans have been better in run defense recently haven't given up anything in terms of uh, receiving production 
two opposing RBs. Chris Thompson, 6-6-6 and 5 are his touch counts over the last four weeks. We can move on to the next one. Next one is where I will be, Evan. I'm fired up for it. Phillip Rivers and the Chargers against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens cannot imagine uh, a more different, <laughs> differing styles between two starting quarterbacks in a game. What do you yeah. got for me on this game I'm prepping for? Yeah, unfortunately, I, I I haven't looked at this yet because there are so many injury issues. Um, you know, Keenan Allen was out of practice. Austin Eckler was out of practice. It definitely looks like Melvin Gordon is going to play. And I know it's a bad matchup and you're probably worried about his health. I think that at worst you consider him an RB2 play in fantasy. Um, <clears throat> I, I think that Lamar Jackson, you can stick with him. He was again. Uh, actually, last week was his highest finish, and again, it was it was only like a 17 or 18 point game in fantasy. But he was the the quarterback nine last week, so he's been the quarterback 13 through the quarterback nine in five straight starts. Very high floor. The, again, the Chargers' interior defense, I think, can be exploited. Um, and we saw, you know, Daryl Williams and Damian Williams kind of take advantage that, of that a little bit. They, a lot in the passing game, too. They've lost lost a lot of athleticism at linebacker with Denzel Perryman and Kaiser White on injured reserve. Uh, and then uh, up front, they lost Corey Legit. And Brandon Mebane has been dealing with this personal issue for a long time. And those are their, their starting defensive tackles. Um, so, I mean, I think that there are, are definitely some advantages that this this decidedly run-first Ravens offense can take advantage of. Uh, but I, I think you, like the the listeners, need to read my my column on Thursday, and I'll have more then. I just I've been waiting for the injury issues to kind of clarify to really look in depth uh, in, at this game. But we can move on to the 1 p.m. Eastern Time games. Right, but at a minimum, I mean, hard not to be running with the Gus bus. Uh, I know John Harbaugh said it will even itself out in terms of how much Lamar Jackson's running. They honestly, Evan, it, they, they they almost remind me of like uh, a military academy. And I can't tell you how often it's like third and three and either Edwards or Lamar Jackson like falls forward for four yards. It's like uncanny. Yeah. It's you know, it's like every every third down is third and short and they somehow get a yard more than the first down. It's it's unbelievable and and even on fourth downs at times. They they really reminds me of like watching army Navy, and navy right? playing. Let's get yeah. to uh, the first 1 o'clock game. And it's hard to stop, man. I mean, it's no one's stopping it. No one has stopped it yet. It's, it's pretty awesome. Very, very hard to stop because their O-line's playing well. Jackson's reading things well. They do a lot of different things in the backfield, the run game that people aren't used to. And you no longer have the man advantage. I mean, you, you know, you don't. You don't have that extra advantage that – you typically try to have, and he throws it enough and well enough that you can't just totally sell out either. It's, I mean, now you had 18 carries again. I, I don't think it's a sustainable long-term plan for the Ravens franchise, but I do think it's sustainable. You know, they're going to do it for the rest of this year. And when Harbaugh says that his running will even itself out, I think what he means is. As we have a whole off season with him, 
and he gets better throwing, instead of 18 carries next year, it'll be eight. That's kind of how I look at it. Um, he did do a good job of getting out of bounds a couple times. I saw him slide once or twice. He's still taking too many shots, and there's just no way uh, you could do a whole season with it. But um, it's working for right now. One o'clock games, Evan. Giants, who just got shut out, although the weather was really crappy, in a dome this time against the Colts and that O-line and that defense. Whether Odell plays is huge to this game because I think that if he does not play, you know, I would be worried about the game playing out similarly to last week where the Colts leaned on their running game and there was no reason to turn away from it. And Pat Thorman of Pro Football Focus had a great statistic before last week's game. And I, I was not on in on Marlon Mack. I mean, <clears throat> he's been losing some playing time to Naheem Hines before that. He really hadn't been good in a number of weeks. He hasn't caught passes all year. Has not had uh, more than two receptions in a, in a game all season. Um. And uh, they were without their starting guard, Mark Glowinski, who's been a really good run blocker for them. But uh, Pat Thorman noted that Ryan Kelly, when he has been in the lineup, their center, they were had averaged 4.9 yards per carry. And uh, when he was out, they averaged 3.4 yards per carry, the Colts running backs. And, you know, he comes back last week after a three-week absence, and they dominated against Dallas which has one of the best run defenses in football. And uh, that was with Sean Lee back too. So that was one of the most surprising developments of week 15. And, um, you know, with with that said, like this is a much easier matchup. Uh, The Giants are, or the Colts are at home. The game sets up really well. If the Giants can't score points and, and Odell Beckham makes a big difference for them, um, and I know that you know against that against that dead Redskins team, they um, you know they they did have the big number uh, in Week 14. But I mean, over the course of all the games that Odell has missed in his career, and he missed like 12 last season, so it's a decent sample size. Their scoring plummets when he's not on the field. And the play of Eli plummets when Odell Beckham is not on the field. And Sterling Shepard has played outside receiver when Odell Beckham has not been on the field and he has not been winning. Sterling Shepard is really, he's a slot receiver. He's like, you know, he's like a healthy Randall Cobb. And uh, you don't want, you don't line up Randall Cobb just as you don't line up Sterling Shepard outside in an optimal, you know, in an optimal scenario. Um, So Odell Beckham, you know, he, he influences so many factors in this game and we, we don't know anything about whether he's going to play. It seemed like he wasn't even close last week he didn't practice you know and um so we have we have to know that um and i think that like like eric ebron's uh outlook hinges on odell beckham you need the giants to be scoring points in this game in order for eric ebron to not just you know like take a game off which is what he did last week i mean he he didn't have to do anything like you know he had three targets he had one catch he did have a drop um, uh, and he had two drops the week before, so that started to, to recur again. But 
you know, that it, it doesn't really matter. Like when he's getting these games where he's having like nine to 15 targets, which he was getting there for a while, but those were in games that the other team was competitive and, you know, maybe it, it might be, a, you know, it might be a shootout. And I think this game could be high scoring if they have Odell Beckham. Um, another thing like Saquon Barkley, like the, the, the Titans were able to take him away last week without, without Odell Beckham on the field. So, so much comes down to, to Odell Beckham's availability, and we're going to find out find that out probably like maybe on Friday or maybe even before the game. Uh, we can move on to the next one. Jags, Dolphins, Florida matchup Sunday one o'clock. So the Dolphins have been extremely run heavy this season, and I don't think that they are going to. Um, stray from that even after losing Frank Gore um, it was very interesting last week because uh, they went immediately to Kalen Balaj, a fourth round pick out of Arizona State really really talented guy I mean he's 6'2 228 he ran 446 um, you know one of the best athletes <clears throat> pound for you know and he's big in this year's running back class he was a disappointment at Arizona State, he never averaged more than 14 touches per game in a college season, not because he was injured, because he was just a committee back throughout his career there. But he's got great talent, and he caught a lot of passes in college. He, he can definitely catch the ball. Kenyon Drake, there are a bunch of issues with him right now. I think the coaching staff like legit doesn't like him. First of all, he's given up five sacks in pass protection over the last seven weeks. Second of all, he's got this AC joint shoulder sprain that I think he aggravated a couple weeks ago. And the, the, the commentator crew uh, during last week's game mentioned that Adam Gase had told them that he also has an ankle injury. And then Adam Gase was asked about it after the game, and, and he said, no, I never told them that. So who knows what to believe, but I think he's less than 100%. I mean, he had like four, three or four touches last week, uh, you know, and, and same with Brandon Bolden. So I think that it's going to be the Kalen Balaz show. I, I have no idea what to expect from the Jaguars defense. You know, they they play when they want to play. And, you know, I don't I don't know if they're going to I don't know if they're going to play this week, you know. Um, but I mean, that's just kind of the, the way that it is, you know, um, in the receiver core. I mean, Tannehill took nine sacks last week on 33 dropbacks, and he, he's dealing with this ankle injury, which looked looked severe and painful the week before against the Patriots. He played through it. He's a tough dude, but he, you know, I, I think that that's going to severely limit his mobility potentially the rest of the way. Um, I mean, he's he's not he's definitely not running anymore. Um, he has not been running. And it, it could uh, impact the way that he is able to, you know, evade pass rush. Absolutely. So I'm not looking at him, not looking at really anybody in the pass catcher core. You could, you can make it a case for Kenny Stills um, because he has he has five uh, touchdowns in Tannehill's nine starts this year. Of course, he's got big playability, but he's also a guy that could get covered the whole game by Jalen Ramsey. Um. On the other side, ooh, Cody Kessler has been awful. I mean, I'm guessing that, I mean, like clearly Blake Bortles is a better option than, than Cody Kessler, I think. 
Um, and I know that Blake Bortles is not a good option, period. But like, they're, I th- my guess is that they're just not going to play him in case he gets hurt because they're going to try to cut him after the season. I, I'm, I'm not sure. But, but there have been no indications yet that they're going to think about going back to Blake Bortles. Actually, if Blake Bortles played, I think he'd be kind of an interesting two-quarterback league play slash maybe even in DFS. Um, but no indication so far that he's going to play. Just killing all the receivers. I mean, he threw for 57 yards last week. He ran for 68. He led the team in rushing, and he threw for 57 yards. Um can't use Moncrief, obviously. D.D. Westbrook is like the only dude who's still trying hard on the Jags. He returned a punt 74 yards for a touchdown last week. He's awesome. Um, I think that he's the only playable member of the receiver core. The situation with Fournette was very strange last week. He did not have you know a big first half, but he did have 13 touches at the half. And as a guy that, I mean, I liked him. As, as a fantasy play a lot last week. Uh, and so, and I was watching that game live and I'm like, you know, I, I think he's going to be fine probably in the second half, but he didn't touch the ball the entire third quarter. And I'm like, what is going on here? You know, is he hurt? At one point they showed him, he was like there, the off the offense was on the field and he was like, like all the way down the sideline, like with his helmet off. And I was like, is he hurt? And he was like talking to people and he had one more touch. He had one touch in the first, fourth quarter. He ran for 25 yards and then he came out after that game and he, and he never, never went back in. So he finished with 14 touches after having 13 at the half and having a big play in the second half. And this was not a blowout. I mean, this was a one score game like for the entire time against the Redskins. Uh, now he shows up on the injury report with a foot injury. We know he's, he's battled foot injuries for, you know, I mean, for multiple years at this point. And I, I, I don't know, like, we're, we're going to have to just wait and see the rest of the week. I wouldn't want to use Carlos Hyde. He, he's been real, real bad. Um, <clears throat> and the Dolphins still have something to play for. You know, the Jags don't have anything to play for. And they could just completely not show up again. That, that's why you kind of like Kalen Balage as he's, he's risky as a flex play. But that's why you kind of like him because, yo, we could get another situation where the Jags just don't show up at all. And the Dolphins, as a team, with something to play for. They opened up some big holes, especially on that 75-yard touchdown run by Balage. I mean, it, the holes don't get a whole lot bigger than that. And Balage had the speed, just outran everyone. Again, he ran four four six coming out of Arizona State. We can move on to the next one. Hey, how about a couple of disappointing NFC South teams, Evan? The Falcons and the Panthers. Yeah, this is another game that I and like I, I've done a ton of these games. We're gonna we're gonna get to them, them soon, but this is another one that I have not gotten to yet because. Well, first of all, the Panthers played on Monday night, and there is some inkling that uh, the Panthers may shut down Cam Newton. I know that they they said initially uh, that they weren't going to, but there's been a report since that Rivera could change his mind, or you know their new owner could step in, or their GM Herney could step in and say Herney was the guy who drafted him. Um, 
you know, he could step in and say, you know, we, we shouldn't play Cam anymore. I mean, some of those throws last week, he is not right. He is not right. I mean, the, the, those were some of the worst throws of any quarterback uh, on, on the field, on any field last week. The interception, just wildly under underthrown. Um, and some of those throws, especially on the on that quote-unquote drive, uh, when they got the ball back and they had a chance to come back and tie it at very least and maybe even win it. And, I mean, Cam could not even complete a pass. And the, the passes were nowhere near his receivers. I mean, he, he really shouldn't be out there, I don't think. Um, and they, they may very well shut him down. And then you, you get Taylor Heineke, and that changes the complexion of the game entirely. The, the really interesting guy on the Falcons is going to be Tevin Coleman. And if te- and you you want actually Cam is so bad right now that I'm not even sure it matters. I mean, I, I think that the Panthers are just going to struggle to score points. Period. I think that you want Cam out there certainly if you are trying to start Christian McCaffrey, which who you're starting anyways in season long, of course. But you would re- you would prefer at least to have Cam's running threat uh, over Taylor Heineke. Uh, I, I think that at this point, the receiver core, the tight end core, you know, they're, they're really tough sells. I, mean, I know that Ian Thomas had the big nine-catch game a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, Moore and Samuel have big playability. But, I mean, wow, it's just like Cam can't throw the rock right now. Uh, with the Falcons, you this is going to be a really interesting couple of last couple of games for Tevin Coleman. He is in his contract year. He just set his career high in rushing uh, against Arizona, ripped off some monster runs, actually had another long touchdown called back. Would have gone for 44 yards for a score, but um, uh, Russell Gage, their rookie receiver, got called for an illegal block in the back. So it could have been even bigger. Ido Smith is on IR. Devontae Freeman is not coming back. Uh, The Falcons officially announced that, and... The number two back now is Brian Hill. Uh, the Falcons took him in the fifth round a couple years ago. Hasn't even been he hasn't been impressive at all. Hasn't been impressive in the preseason. I've watched a ton of him in the preseason. He's just kind of like a big body, and you know he's going to mix in for a little bit, but he, he's he's not going to work out. I don't think. Um, and then the third back is Jeremy Langford, who they just brought up from the practice squad. You know, we, we know about Jeremy Langford, Langford. So this is these are two huge upcoming games for Tevin Coleman, for him as a player uh, and also in fantasy football. I do think that we're going to see him get 20 plus touches against Carolina. Now, Carolina, I thought, did a pretty good job defending the run um, last week, and they've been better at defending the run. Luke Keekley has showed up big time uh, and, and Thomas Davis as well. And it's definitely not a gimme matchup, but you like to bet on guys who have big playability and have volume on their side. Uh, I don't think that there have been any indications that the Falcons would consider shutting down Matt Ryan. So keep rolling with him and Julio. You know, uh, Julio is trying to lead the league in in receiving. So, uh, you know, he's still got plenty to play for. Um, It sounds like they're going to fire Sarkeesian at the end of the season. Um, 
you know, Ridley, Hooper. I mean, Hooper Hooper was just a total non – he was a ghost last week. He's playing through knee and ankle injuries. Ridley just hasn't been doing a whole lot, and, you know, Sanu as well. So not really excited about any of those guys. I think that – I do think that in DFS, you know, in, in, in season long, Matt Ryan is still a really good play. Again, he was the number one overall fantasy quarterback last week, uh, the week before. I mean, he's – He's continued to, to produce even as the Falcons have struggled to score points. You know, they had gone on a five game run where they scored twenty or fewer before last week, but he was able to maintain a pretty good level of productivity. Panthers have been most beatable by the pass. So sticking with Ryan and Julio, we can move on to the next one. Battle of Ohio, Joe Mixon and the Bengals going to Cleveland in the Hugh Jackson Bowl. Yes, the, uh, the the Hugh Jackson uh, rematch. Um, and the, the first one went really well for the Browns. And, I mean, if, if I was Hugh, I think I'd just I'd, – I'd spend this game in the press box. Like, I, I, would, <laughs> I would not want to be down on the field because um, this one's in Cleveland. And uh, Baker Mayfield lit up the Bengals for four touchdowns in the first one. Uh, he did not have his best game, I didn't think, uh, last Saturday. Um, left, you know, kind of just played, especially the first half, just in a rush. And you know, I think he he knew this. That was like a you know, it was kind of like a prime time game. And um, I don't know, maybe he he played, he just played with a little too much urgency. I think he's going to bounce back. He's you know, he's playing on the road in Denver, never an easy place to play. I think he's going to bounce back big. I think he's going to light it up in this game. I love Nick Chubb so much in daily fantasy this week. I mean, you couldn't set it up better. The The Browns are seven-point favorites. Seven-point favorites. The freaking Browns, who last year didn't win a game. Um, it's, it's pretty cool to see uh, Nick Chubb, I mean, just, just lock and load. I think Baker is a real, real good play. Um, his receiver core is still dicey. You know, Jarvis Landry... Targets have been there a little bit more lately, but, you know, not really producing. He's under 60 receiving yards in uh, six of his last seven. Uh, in Joku, he's been, you know, kind of all over the map and, and just not big upside recently. I mean, the matchups are really good for these guys. Actually, not as good for Jarvis Landry. Uh, the Bengals have been better defending, much better defending uh, slot receivers since they got back Darquez Denard about four or five weeks ago. Um, Jarvis Landry actually had a game that these teams played in, I think, week 12. And Jarvis Landry didn't do anything in that game. And Emmanuel Sanders had a game against the, the, the Bengals where he looked good on paper. But uh, Denard was back for that one, and he had like 19 yards. Um, a bunch of slot receivers have went gone through there and, and you know since Denard came back and not done a whole lot. Um, so not the best matchup actually for Jarvis Landry. The matchup's great for David and Joku on paper, but again, you know, how much work is he going to get? It is a game where it sets up for Baker to maybe only have like 20 to 25 pass attempts. And that would be a threat to his fantasy value. But I think that he, his uh, fantasy outlook, but I also think that he's just going to be really efficient in this game. And what we're really looking for, for quarterbacks is, efficiency at the end of the day um you, we don't need 50 pass attempts you know oftentimes that's actually bad um you know that means that the offense isn't getting it done 
when they have like a ton of pass attempts. Uh, but in this case, I, I think that he's going to be highly efficient. You know, Perryman is mixed in, um, but he, he's only getting like two targets a game. So can't really use him. He's sharing third receiver duties with Rashard Higgins. Antonio Callaway, I think, is real interesting this week. His targets have been there. His routes run have been there. Um, he's running the same amount of routes as Jarvis Landry each week. Uh, last week he had five for 35 and a touchdown on what, like six or seven targets. Uh, he gets a lot of air yards. You can absolutely go deep on this Bengals um, secondary. They get no pass rush. You know, the, the most disappointing defense in all of football this year. On the other side, Joe Mixon had 155 total yards in these teams' week 12 meeting. Uh, and I think that he's really the only guy you want to play on the Bengals. I don't think Tyler Boyd's going to play. I mean, he suffered an injury last week. We'll find out uh, this week in, in, as he, uh, the Bengals practice. Um I would I would like him against the Browns. Uh, they hit, they are most vulnerable to uh, slot receivers. Uh, lately, we saw uh, Deshaun Hamilton have seven catches against them last week. the The guy behind Tyler Boyd is uh, Alex Erickson, and he is mildly interesting as um, like a, a deep league PPR slash uh, DFS like on DraftKings. You'd use him on DraftKings because it's full PPR and because he'd have a shot at like four to six catches uh, against the Browns, maybe even more. He's a guy who's shown up a little bit uh, in preseason, but uh, he would be the the slot. And then on the outside, you'd get um, John Ross and Cody Core uh, and, and uh, Denzel Ward, who I would guess is back this week. He's missed two games with a concussion. Um, he would be on John Ross. He actually did chase John Ross in these teams week 12 meeting. So I would certainly expect that again. And John Ross, I mean, one of the most, now the most inefficient receiver in the league, uh, you know, right there with or actually below Jermaine curse, Zay Jones, these guys. So, uh, not, not trying to use him. I know he scored a bunch of touchdowns, just, just real fluky. I mean, six touchdowns on 18 catches is, is ridiculous. I mean, that's, that's not going to sustain itself. Um, at tight end, uh, CJ Uzoma actually, I think is, is in play. The Browns have not been good against tight ends recently, uh, ever since they lost Christian Kirksey to injured reserve and, um, CJ Uzoma with no Tyler Boyd, uh, that frees up 7.7 targets per game. And that's good for CJ Uzoma. We can move on to the next one. All right, let's keep it going, and we will get to Tampa Bay at Dallas. The Bucks against Zeke and the boys. Major bounce back spot for Dallas, uh, who have been great at home this year. They have major home road splits this season, and that carries over to Dak, and that carries over to Amari. Um, you can read my Thursday column. I lay out, lay out all the stats, but I mean it's just a huge disparity in how they have product how they have produced uh, at home versus away. Uh, last week, of course, was away. They got shut out. Coming back home to Jerry World, uh, Dak has a thirteen to three touchdown to interception ratio at home. 
four to five touchdown to interception ratio on the road. It's like two or three high, more yards per pass attempt. Amari Cooper, his big games as a Cowboy have come at Jerry World. Uh, and this Bucks defense has been a lot better recently. Um, they have not been good on the road uh, defensively, and they also have become a man coverage team. And um, Sports Info Solutions, which does a great job looking at you know more in-depth advanced stats, and I would encourage anybody to follow them on Twitter. They give up out a lot of, of great information about all sports, really, even baseball, um, which I'm not really into, but you know a lot. Of, I know that some people are. Um, but they, they give out just a lot of great in-depth um, advanced statistics. And they did an article last week on how Amari Cooper uh, and Dak have been so much better against man coverage. And last week, the, the Colt, they faced the Colts. The Colts run zone coverage at the highest rate in the NFL, 72%. Um, and also, and I failed to mention this, but... Uh, last week, and I'm kind of kicking myself for it. I should I should have made the connection, but it never even crossed my mind that Matt Eberflus, uh, the the Buccaneer, I'm sorry, the Colts defensive coordinator, um, was of course you know the Cowboys linebackers coach uh, for a while. So he kind of knew the ins and outs uh, of the cowboy of the Cowboys offense, but the the splits. Uh, for man versus zone coverage have been huge for Amari and Dak. Uh, and now they're facing a Bucks team that began the season under Mike Smith as a zone team. They've become a man coverage team sent under uh, new defensive coordinator Mark Duffner. So theoretically that bodes very, very well in combination with the home, home, uh, home splits for Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper in a prime bounce back spot. Um, that uh, you know that we are assuming that Mark Duffner doesn't take the smart approach, though. And I, my guess is that the, the smart approach here would be to go back to playing more zone, because you know you think about like Dak Prescott's skill set. He's a see it, throw it passer. He's not an anticipatory passer, and that's going to work better when guys are getting open against man coverage as opposed to throwing into zones. Um, so it, it, like if I was Mark Duffner, we go back to playing zone coverage this week, but that doesn't always happen. It usually doesn't happen. And so, um, I'm expecting them to play man and I'm expecting Amari and Dak to bounce back big time. Love them as a stack in daily fantasy. Uh, Blake Jarwin has been much more involved this week. I thought it was a fluke in week 14. It was not. Uh, because in week 15, he had seven targets. He had four catches for 45. That's a good week at, uh, at the tight end position these days in fantasy, and it puts Blake Jarwin on the radar as a streamer. Uh, keep an eye out for Jeff Swaim. If he returns from his, I believe, elbow injury, uh, then we're not looking at Blake Jarwin anymore. Uh, but right now he's running a lot of routes. He's he's the you know their theoretical pass catching tight end, and he's got seven targets in back to back weeks. That squarely firmly puts him on the radar as a uh, a streamer option. Michael Gallup is number five this week in um, Josh Hermsmeyer's air yards model. You can look at him as like a, a dart throw 
Um, he has been getting opportunity in terms of air yards, just doing nothing with it. Uh, he's got two games above 55 yards all year. He's got one touchdown all year. And, uh, but again, you know, he's out there a lot and this game has some high scoring potential. It's been bet up. Uh, the, the over, uh, uh, the total on the game has gone up, uh, since open. So, uh, he's a little bit of a sleeper, not looking at Cole Beasley on the other side, the risk for Tampa Bay. Oh, Zeke is my number one, uh, fantasy running back play by the week. The Buccaneers have been better on defense, but not better against the run. Um, you know, of course, got cream by the run, Gus Edwards, Dixon, Lamar Jackson. I mean, just had a field day running against them at last week. And, uh, that's, you know, that, that carries over, uh, several weeks, uh, since Mark Duffner. See what Mike Smith did is he, uh, emphasized stopping the run and Mark Duffner has not as much, uh, emphasized st- stopping the run. He's been more stopping the pass and it has worked out for them from a scoring limitation standpoint, uh, but also, you know, in combination with uh, injuries at linebacker, they just, ha- they're not a good run defense anymore. And that plays, plays directly into Ezekiel Elliott's, ha- Elliott's hands. They also have given up big numbers in the passing game to running backs. And Zeke Elliott at this point is catching like six, seven balls every week, which is sweet. Uh, for, on the Buccaneers side, your concern, I mean, you're, you're definitely, you respect the Cowboys' defense, but your your major concern is that the Bucks are not going to be able to stop uh, Zeke Elliott and they get no play volume because this is exactly what happened last week. What happened was, okay, so the Buccaneers, they were leading the NFL in offensive snaps per game at 67 entering last week. They ran 47 plays last week against Baltimore because they didn't have the ball. They didn't have the ball. So no one was good on fantasy except for freaking Peyton Barber out of nowhere. 19 carries for 85 yards and a touchdown against the Ravens. Um, But no one was really good in fantasy. Mike Evans wound up being okay. He did go over 100 yards. He got one catch for 65 uh, in the first quarter. And then really didn't do a whole lot the rest of the way. Chris Godwin had zero catches. And over his last two games now has 13 yards on 13 targets. And Deshaun Jackson may come back to steal playing time from him. They've lost a lot of talent, I mean, due to injury. Deshaun Jackson and O.J. Howard, those guys are difference makers. And, um, you know, I I wouldn't be looking to play Jameis this week. I think that the Cowboys' defense is very much in play. Uh, we, you know, we, we may see Jameis wasn't bad in terms of turnovers last week, but, uh, we may see him start to play with, you know, play, play with a little bit more urgency and play a little faster, uh, because he's, you know, losing patience and, you know, we could see him throw some picks, take some sacks this week. So I think that the Cowboys defense, you know, they rush the passer really well. Um, they're a good play. Cameron Braid always just a touchdown or bus guy. You know, he's been held under 40 yards in every game this year. So you need him to score a touchdown for him to pay off as a fantasy play. Uh, I'm not buying into Peyton Barber running on the Cowboys. I know that the Cowboys got ran on last week and Peyton Barber ran on the the Ravens last week. But I think that both of those were just kind of blips and we're not going to see that happen again. We can move on to the next one. Okay. Um, 
By the way, just as an aside, Zeke Elliott is a tremendous, tremendous player. Not that you needed to hear me, but just even in that game against the Colts, just watching him, man, he's everything about his game, breaking the tackles, he's just, he is a special, special player. What about the Vikings against the Lions, Evan? Curious to get your thoughts on the Vikings under uh, Mr. Stefanski. Yeah, I mean, they did pretty much exactly what we expected. Uh, last week, I mean, they, you know, there's a mandate from Mike Zimmer to run the ball more. That was the perfect opportunity to do it. They were big home favorites. They're facing a bad Dolphins run defense, and they were able to execute. And they got Latavius Murray even involved, and they got Dalvin Cook 20 touches, and he ripped big plays. He looked great. Um, you know, are they going to be able to sustain that? Um, before uh, the Lions placed Deshaun Hand on injured reserve, I was thinking uh, probably not because the Lions uh, have been much better against the run since trading for Damon Harrison. But over the last two weeks, they played they placed Ezekiel Ansa and Deshaun Hand on injured reserve. And Deshaun Hand, fourth-round pick out of Alabama, had earned a starting job. Uh, and he was uh, one of the highest-graded um, interior defenders at Pro Fo- Football Focus in run defense. Um, and and Zeke, Ezekiel Ansa, I think, is very much perceived as a disappointment, um, but he's one of the better players on the Lions' defense. And so losing those guys in back-to-back weeks, you know, I think that Dalvin Cook potentially could have rushing success against the Lions. The tweaks that that Stefanski made that stood out to me was, first of all, a lot more 12 personnel um, and even some 13 personnel with two and three tight ends um, and and much less 11. So what you're doing is you're pulling Laquan Treadwell off the field, which, I mean, when Laquan Laquan Treadwell's out there, you're you're playing with 10 men. Um, So that's not a bad idea. And they put in Tyler Conklin. Uh, fifth-round rookie out of Central Michigan, uh, played basketball at D1AA, and is a really good athlete, 71st percentile spark. Um, he profiles very similar to like an Austin Hooper type of player, um, but I think he's uh, more athletic than, than Austin Hooper um, just from watching him move around. Um, I think he moves better than, than Austin Hooper. Uh, and he only ran six pass routes last week, but he had two catches on three targets for 53 yards. He, so he made he made two big plays. One of them was uh, in the first quarter, and one was in the third quarter. Uh, and I mean, we're, we're not looking at him really in fantasy, although I think he's an absolute must pick up in uh, deeper dynasty leagues. I'm trying to get him in, in my deeper dynasty leagues last week. I, of course, I tweeted about him, so people are probably going to be picking him up uh, ahead of me, but. I would definitely grab him in those settings. He he also pulled snaps away from Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph ran only 18 routes. He had his fewest routes and snaps of the season last week against the Dolphins. His routes were down simply because the, the, the Vikings didn't throw as much. But his snaps were down too. And so, you know, not looking to use Kyle Rudolph against the Lions this week with his playing time down. They also use more David Morgan. Um, he's uh, like strictly a blocking tight end. 
but but that's how they changed, you know, to become more of a run-first offense. Aldrick Robinson did come in. You know, he ran seven routes in the game. He catches a 40-yard touchdown pass. Kirk Cousins has always had a connection with him, but he just doesn't play enough, uh, you know, to, for fantasy usefulness. Uh, when, as their, their, their pass volume came way down, I think it was 21 attempts, season low, for Kirk Cousins, and he did not help himself because he – He's, he's like starting to play a little rattled uh, late in the season, I feel like, playing with less confidence. And he, th- he throws a pick six last week, just telegraphed it, trying to get it to Diggs on like a screen. And Minka, Minka Fitzpatrick just read it the whole way, 50 yards, touchdown. And, um, you know, so that's not going to help Kirk Cousins. He has the most turnovers among all quarterbacks in the NFL this year, 10 interceptions, seven lost fumbles. You know, I'm a big Kirk guy. I I know you are too, Ross, but he's, he's got to play a little bit better than what he's done recently. He was good in fantasy last week, but um, he's got to stop turning the ball over and maybe he'll earn back some trust. But I think that they're going to continue to try to keep his volume down and just be more balanced and run the ball more. And that, that's fine. I mean, look, you know, that's their team formula, you know, kind of because their their defense is pretty much back to full strength. It was got it got crushed by injuries and off field stuff early in the year, but it's pretty much back to full strength now. Uh, and they have one of the best defenses in the NFL. And, you know, they could win this game like 17 nothing. I think that they'd be they'd be fine with that, um, you know, because the Lions can't score any points. That's for sure. Uh, Stafford. I I just, I mean, the, just the offense is just, it's its pathetic in Detroit. And really one of the most disappointing offenses in the league because they reached this sort of like crescendo. And then all of a sudden, like a couple dudes got hurt and just the bottom fell out on their offense. And I mean, they're averaging like 15 points a game over their last like six or seven. I mean, it's just, it's really, really bad. And the only guy even worth consideration, and even if Carrion comes back this week, Carrion Johnson, I don't think you can use him against the, the Vikings, you know, after a four-game layoff. The the only guy you can look at is Kenny Galladay, uh, who was awesome, awesome, awesome uh, last week. He, he beat Tredavious White for 40 and 33-yard catches, um, and they moved him into the slot. He ran 43% of his routes in the slot. Now, this may have been... Uh, resulting from Bruce Ellington being out. Bruce Ellington was inactive with a hamstring injury. But Kenny Galladay ran a season-high 43% of his routes in the slot. Uh, This kept him away from Tredavious White at times. He made a couple of catches uh, against linebackers. Uh, One, I remember, was against uh, Lorenzo Alexander. Um, And so, you know, that puts him in more advantageous situations uh, and uh, he wound up with 146 yards on eight targets. And he's got eight or more targets in five of his last six. So what you hope is that the Lions put Galladay in the slot again this week where they can get him matched up against Mackenzie Alexander, who's a little dude, and keep him away from Xavier Rhodes. I think that he is a risky uh, wide receiver three play still. Um, but look, you know, who, who else is there to throw to right now? I mean, the, the Lions' second best receiver right now is probably Theo Riddick. 
But after that, it's like Levine Toilolo. I mean, it's really, really bad in Detroit right now. Uh, we can move on to the next one. Agreed. Uh, Buffalo is in New England. My boy Robert Foster and the Bills taking on the Pats. Yeah, Robert Foster, man. I mean, he's been a great story. Like, you know, five-star recruit to Alabama, suffered a real bad injury early in his career, kind of just never got on track, and their quarterback play was putrid at Alabama, which hurt, like, his, you know, production in the box score. He goes undrafted. Um, he runs four four one, and he's, like, big and long. Um and he has formed a bond. It, it really started. To, it really started in the preseason. Uh, Josh Allen hit him for a long touchdown early in the preseason, and you know. But I never really thought much of it. They actually cut him during the season, Robert Foster, early in the year. Uh, but now he's their number one. And you know, Andre Holmes and uh, Kelvin Benjamin Benjamin are are out of the picture. And so it's Robert Foster, and it's Isaiah McKenzie, and it's Zay Jones. So at least we have, you know, the the wide receiver core nailed down here. And Robert Foster is like the number one. Zay Jones has been getting targets, but uh, he's, you know, not not doing anything with them. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie has kind of really come on as a factor in the slot. But, um... I think that at this point, Robert Foster is like an every week wide receiver three play. The targets are way up since they made those two cuts. Uh, and his big playability is, um, you know, it's just, it's just undeniable. And he's having 100 yard games like it will. Every year, it seems like there's kind of like a guy that kind of comes out of nowhere and just crushes like down the stretch of the season. And, you know, if you don't jump on that train in daily fantasy or in season long, you just kind of expect it, keep expecting it to stop. Um, you know, you're, you're just, you're like not embracing what's actually going on. Uh, Ted Ginn had a run like that down the stretch a couple years ago. Taylor Gabriel had a run like that down the stretch a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, it just kept happening like every week, you know, these guys are hitting big plays Robert Foster is getting more targets than, than those guys. He's got a bigger role than those guys, and he's a safer play than those guys were. Um, so I would I would keep keep riding the train with him against New England. Um, you know, it, the, Bill Belichick actually has to come up with a kind of interesting game plan here uh, because you know is he like is he going to treat these receivers like he would Juju and Antonio Brown or, you know, Thielen and Diggs. I mean, he's going to have to take this game very seriously um, because, like, the Bills have a good defense and Josh Allen, although he – I don't think he, like, has control of the ball all the time as a passer, but he can absolutely make big plays with his feet and with his arm. I mean, it seems like, you know, once or twice per game – he just uncorks this seven, you know, you know, sixty, fifty-yard bomb, uh, and you know, sometimes those when those get caught, you know, those are those are, are big-time plays, um, and he can just make it happen in a snap. So, are we going to see Stephon Gilmore? I don't know on Robert Foster, but yo, Stephon Gilmore, like 
he got beat for a touchdown pass by Bre- by Bryce Butler the other week. So certainly not you know impenetrable. Um, I would stick with Robert Foster. Don't trust Zay Jones. Isaiah McKenzie is kind of interesting in the slot. You know who the Patriots might put on Robert Foster is uh, J.C. Jackson, um, bigger dude, uh, and kind of like uh, coming out of nowhere to have a great season as an undrafted rookie. Um, but uh, either way, I think you, you stick with Robert Foster. Don't know who's playing running back for the Bills at this point. You know, Shady McCoy, Ivory, they were both out last week. Marcus Murphy breaks his arm. It could be Keith Ford, who I've never been particularly impressed with in the preseason. Uh, wasn't impressed with uh, last week as he came off the bench. Um, but, you know, the matchup is good. Patriots give up high yards per carry and lots of catches to uh, running backs. So I think that Keith Ford would would be in play as a flex option if all those guys are out. Uh, on the uh, oh Josh Allen every week fantasy starter field Yates of ESPN noted that um, no um, Josh Allen is the number one overall fantasy quarterback over the last month. He's been consistent high floor and high ceiling. You keep rolling him against New England. Um, New England's defense isn't very good. Uh, now, the, this is like must-win territory now for the, the Patriots. And the Patriots have been bad on the road this year. They have been uh, good at home, though. Uh, Tom Brady has big home splits. The whole team does. Uh, and But this is a good Bills defense, though. So, you know, is it going to be a lower-scoring game? or Is, is it a get-right spot? I'm not really sure. I think that Tom Brady is a not-exciting fantasy play this week. Um, Gronk has t- typically had his big games against Buffalo in Buffalo. He doesn't look, you know, he doesn't look very good out there. And, you know, he mentioned it last week, even in the big game against the Dolphins. He didn't look very good. Um and then last week, the, the Steelers, like, they were able to take him away. Uh, they got physical with him at the line of scrimmage. You know, they, they had two guys on him. He blocked a lot in the game, and he may have to block it a lot here too because uh, the, the, uh, the Bills have some pretty good outside pass rushers, particularly uh, Jerry Hughes, who's, I mean, he's just lightning quick, and he's going to be a handful for Trent Brown. Um Running back situation, I mean, it's just become not good since uh, Burkhead came back because he's cutting into the workloads of both of the other guys. You know, Michelle is a touchdown or bust guy who really isn't even scoring touchdowns anymore. He didn't get any passing game work, seven catches all season. Um, When he's in, like, they they telegraph that run plays are coming. Uh, He's also had a couple of big runs in each of the past few weeks called back by penalty the bills have been good against the run although losing matt milano um i think is gonna wind up having a pretty big impact uh in their run defense and um but michelle is like kind of like a touchdown dependent um rb2 slash flex james white just his playing time is way down his touches are way down he's getting like six seven touches the last two weeks and 
you know, that's not good in fantasy. Um, at wide receiver, Josh Gordon is going to be up against Tredavious White. You know, Tredavious White has gotten beat up in, in, a, in two games now. Robbie Anderson beat up on him in week 14, and in week 15, it was Galladay. So, uh, but Josh Gordon was, like, not a part of the game plan last week. That was kind of weird. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm downgrading him to, like, a wide receiver three at this point as opposed to the every week wide receiver two that I, I thought he, he was uh, – or that, that he had produced as – for about a month and a half there. Julian Edelman should eat. You know, slot receivers do great against the Bills. Uh, Julian Edelman had 117 yards from scrimmage uh, against the Bills earlier this season. Uh, so uh, I, th- I think you, you keep rolling with Julian Edelman with confidence. He's the most confident play on the Patriots right now. Uh, we can move on to the next one. Next one, it's the Green Bay Packers on the road uh, without Aaron Jones taking on the New York Jets and Sam Darnold, who basically just kind of has to run around and find somebody, sometimes Robbie Anderson, sometimes Chris Herndon. Really, really impressed with his innate feel for the game and sort of his spatial awareness calling that game last Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I like him a lot. You compared him to Romo, didn't you? Yeah, he just kind of has that ability to buy time, keep looking downfield, and then, like, he'll point to somebody or he'll lob it over the linebacker right in front of the safe. He just kind of has a, a real nice a real nice schoolyard feel. Yeah, yeah. He's got, like, just, yeah, natural playmaking ability. He was the number three overall fantasy quarterback last week, and I think he's kind of interesting here again in stacks with Robbie Anderson in Daily Fantasy as a two-quarterback league play, Packers are allowing 10 more points per game on the road than they are at home. Um, Their entire three-man front, which opened the season as Muhammad Wilkerson, Mike Daniels, and Kenny Clark, which, I mean, I thought that had a chance to be one of the best, you know, three, four fronts in the NFL. All those guys are on injured reserve right now. So that bodes well for Elijah McGuire, who's got 20-plus touches in in, uh, consecutive games. It's going to take some of the heat off of Sam Darnold uh, and, you know, maybe allow him to get even more deep shots to Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson, by the way, number five in the NFL in air yards over the last three weeks and number 13 among wide receivers in catches. I'm sorry, in targets with 25. He's got seven, seven, and 11 targets over his last three. He's an every week wide receiver three fantasy starter at this point. Um, the the Bears tight ends combined for a good game last week. Adam Shaheen and Trey Burton against Green Bay gives you some gives you some hope for Chris Herndon. Uh, Chris Herndon is yeah the number two you know pass catching option right now uh, for the Jets, and I would expect him to finish that way. Uh, he ran his most routes of the season in last week's loss to the Texans. Uh, and I think that he is a pretty solid streamer. Uh, Jermaine Kirsch just, Darnold needs to stop throwing to him because he's he's catching, th- I mean, you cannot have a slot receiver with a 37% catch rate. And that's what his catch rate was or has been for over his last nine games. He's got one touchdown over his last 18 games. Just stop throwing to him, please. 
Um, the other receiver will likely be uh, Andre Roberts because I, I would be surprised if Anunwa is back from his high ankle sprain and Rashard Matthews left, left last week with a hamstring injury. Um, Trenton Cannon is the change of pace back. Elijah McGuire is the workhorse. Again, facing this depleted Packers defensive front. Um, I, I don't want to talk about the Packers because we don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to play. I know that indications to this point have suggested that he will. But, I mean, you watched last week's game. He was not right in the second half. He suffered a groin injury, and he was not right in the second half. Um, I know he wants to play. He's a competitor. But it might be best for the organization to, to shut him down. And that, of course, would just have a ma- massive you know, domino effect on the rest of the offense. Do, we'll talk about Jamal Williams because I think that he is going to be a workhorse in this game. Uh, and the Jets have not been particularly good against the run. Jamal Williams, although he's kind of like a kind of a plotter, uh, he's been good in the passing game. Um, you know, in terms of efficiency, he made a couple of big plays in the passing game last year. Uh, so I think he's a rock-solid RB2 play against the Jets. You would rather have Aaron Rodgers play for sure than Brett Hundley uh, as for the, you know, regarding the cause of Jamal Williams. We can move on to the next one. It's Deshaun Kaiser, but your point's well taken as the backup yes. quarterback in Green Bay. Uh, let's get to uh, another game I'll be at. Texans at the Eagles. 10-4 Texans which is mainly Sean Watson running around throwing the ball to DeAndre Hopkins, especially when Lamar Miller sprained his ankle last week, against Nick Foles and the Eagles. And Foles, I saw you tweeted this, Evan, which was excellent. Foles loves him some Alshon Jeffrey, and Alshon loves him some Foles. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that it's kind of like Ertz is Wentz's guy to some extent, and um, Jeffrey is Foles' guy. Uh, and that doesn't mean that Ertz is going to, like, go away, but he just he hasn't been quite as good with Foles. And, you know, Jeffrey has been much better with Foles, like unbelievable with Foles. You know, like targets to Alshon Jeffrey, if you include last week's regular season, last year's regular season, last year's um, playoffs, and, you know, uh, last game, uh, Foles, uh, he, he, Foles averaging 11, over 11 yards per target when throwing to Alshon Jeffrey. 8.3% of his targets to Alshon have gone for touchdowns to the rest of the Eagles receiver core, 2.9%. Um, and remember, Alshon did not play in those first two starts of the season against Tampa Bay in Atlanta, and Foles was kind of trash in those games, at least in fantasy he was. Um, so having him back it makes a big difference. And this this Texan secondary is vulnerable most to perimeter receivers and to tight ends. And where are the, the best two Eagles pass catchers? They're at tight end, and they're at perimeter receiver. I kind of love Nick Foles as a, a DFS tournament play this week he's super super cheap um and his both of his top pass catchers are set up uh, really well i think this game could be a shootout um one one concern is that and i was talking to, to warren sharp about this game earlier in the week 
He noted that there was maybe some wind in the early week forecast. That's something to keep an eye on, especially because so many of Foles' connections with Alshon are like, like you know, deep shots, and we we don't want the you know the ball to get stuck up in the wind. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, but it's also you know we, we were talking about it on Tuesday, and you know we're doing this on Wednesday morning. The forecast could easily shift, uh, but I think that Foles, Alshon, Ertz, all in great spots this week. Uh, all interesting in DFS, all playable in season long. You know, you probably don't have to stoop down to Foles in season long, but I think he actually is a kind of low-key decent play in season long. Uh, if you're, you know, you got Cam Newton or something like that, you know, you, you got one of these guys, Jared Goff, I would play Foles over Cam Newton and Jared Goff at this point. Um, uh, the Eagles' backfield, you know, they're not going to be able to do anything, I don't think, about, against the Texans. Texans hold opposing RBs to 3.2 yards per carry. It's a three-man backfield. You know, Josh Adams just be running into brick walls. They started to use Wendell Smallwood more last week, and he did have a good game. Um, but, you know, it, it wasn't like um, – I mean, I, I, I'm i not, like, super excited about him in this game. You know, he's not getting big-time passing game work, um, and Darren Sproles uh, is still running the most routes in the backfield and had the most targets. Uh, that just that game, which was an incredible upset. Um, I mean, I was definitely in the camp thinking that the Rams were going to bounce back, uh, and, and was wrong about that. But you know, I think that that's not they're not going to be able to do that on the ground against the Texans. The Texans have a great, great run defense. Eagles have been playing a lot more twelve personnel over their last two games. Their offense has been better for it, and I expect that to continue. It makes Dallas Goddard. Um, a, a real interesting streamer this week. You know, I play him certainly over like Ferkser or Lacoste. Uh, and uh, again, the Texans have been terrible in uh, defensive tight ends, and he's just been on the field more recently. He didn't have a, a big game last week, but he did the week before. And uh, I think that he can he can have another big game against the Texans. You go back and look at like number two tight ends against the Texans. You know, Lacoste had a 44-yard game a couple of weeks back. Um, Ferkser had four for 52 uh, when Jonu Smith was still playing. Uh, so, uh, and, that, and Lacoste had his when he was behind uh, Hoyerman. Hoyerman had a monster game against the Texans. Uh, so, guys to keep in mind, um, Aguilar and Tate, you know, I don't even know what to expect at this point. Aguilar's uh, targets are way down and... Tate's playing time is way down, um, so not guys that you can really trust. I think again, I think this game can be a big time shootout, uh, and I know the total is not very is not very high right now, but there are a lot of advantages on both sides, and that certainly extends to the Texans. The Eagles have gotten creamed by dual threat quarterbacks this year. Cam Newton was the quarterback three overall against them. Dak Prescott was the quarterback one and the quarterback nine against them uh Blake Bortles was the quarterback 12 against them Marcus Mariota ripped them up out of nowhere in like week six or whatever um or week five and uh he you know was like the quarterback six or seven that week um so you know that they, they have clearly struggled with a certain type of quarterback and Deshaun Watson 
can run around. He's averaging over 40 rushing yards per game over his last four. Um, and like no one on the Eagles can cover DeAndre Hopkins. So that makes for a very interesting stack as well. I, I think that there, there are just a lot of opportunities on both sides. Demarius Thomas this week is in the buy low model. Um, he's, he got more targets uh, against the Jets than he had uh, in any game so far uh, in a Broncos uniform. And he's pretty interesting as well. If you want to try to stack this game and hope it, you know, hope it goes like, you know, it scores like 56 points in the game. Um, I think that that's a distinct possibility, weather permitting. And I think that both teams are going to struggle to run the ball. Uh, the Texans, you know, their running back is Lamar Miller. He's banged up. They might pull off, uh, might pull Dante Foreman off of the PUP list. Um, and Alfred Blue just hasn't been getting the ball, the job done on the ground. Ignore all the Texans tight ends. You know, they just, it's just a three man timeshare. Jordan Akins, Jordan Thomas, Ryan Griffin, uh, Kiki QT, you know, hasn't played a full game since like week six. Can't use him. Uh, DeAndre Carter is kind of interesting. It's actually a revenge game for him. The Eagles cut him. Um, but he had a 50-yard catch against the Jets, and he had a six-catch game uh, the other week against, I believe it was the Ravens. Uh, so, um, you know, he's, you know, I mean, he, he is what he is. Adjust accordingly. We can move on to the next one. Evan, you've outdone yourself as always, my friend. Terrific work. I love it almost as much as I love Robin Hood. I don't know if you guys have seen this yet. But I know some of you guys, a lot of you are younger, you're starting to get money. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, cryptos, all commission-free. It's a non-intimidating way for newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. Simple, intuitive, it is awesome. I'm sure you guys know a lot of those other brokerage houses they charge $10 per trade. They don't charge commission. The, the trade stocks keep all of your profits. Robinhood's giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up at fantasyfeast.robinhood.com. That's fantasyfeast.robinhood.com. Now that you have all of this money, that Evan helped you win by winning your fantasy league, go ahead and invest it. Fantasyfeast.robinhood.com Speaking of dot, that'll do it. Putting a, a dot on the eye of this podcast. Evan, terrific job, like I said earlier. Let's finish this bad boy up. We'll start recording part two for the late games. Sunday nighter, ASAP, because that's how we roll here on the Fantasy Feast Eaton Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.